so it's in the middle of COVID. So Brian, my husband, is not allowed to come with me to the hospital. And then we also have a two-year-old at home. So like I, I need to find someone to watch my two-year-old so I can go in for this procedure. And I also like he can't even come with me to the hospital. So we just decided that like he was going to stay home with the two-year-old until he had to go to practice. And then our friend, like a friend on the team was coming over to watch him. And so I drove myself to the hospital. Like I was all like completely alone. I'm walking to this hospital. All the signs are in Italian. I don't know where I'm going. I'm, I'm showing my paperwork to someone like, where am I going to, for this procedure? They finally get me in a room. So I think that like I was supposed to go through it that super alone isolated way because it made me turn inward a lot really inward like I was journaling I was writing about what I was grateful for every morning I was focusing on me like what was really gonna make me happy again you're listening to breaking ice podcast a podcast I created for wives and girlfriends of pro hockey players My name's Devin Dodaro. I'm the wife of Charlie Dodaro. We have two dogs, a little boy Crosby, and a baby girl on the way. We spent eight months of the year living the hockey life in Europe, but we've also spent about five seasons in North America. I've been around the block, sometimes just for a cup of coffee, but I wanted to share the tools, resources, and what's helped me along the way, while also learning every week from each and every one of you. In this podcast, we share tips, tricks, do's, and don'ts for all things women, all things hockey, friendships, trades, long distance, moves, and life in general, so you don't feel so alone. So put your headphones in, go for a walk, and feel like you're sitting down with your best girlfriends. Oh, and make sure to follow the page on Instagram, Breaking the Ice Pod. Let's lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited for you guys to listen to today's episode with Alyssa Flynn. I just found myself completely in awe while I was talking to her because she is so knowledgeable about what she does. She is so passionate about health and fitness and postpartum and self-care for moms And like I mentioned in the episode when I was talking to Alyssa, that is the exact season of life that I am in. And I think that's why I'm so, so interested in this topic. And self-care for moms is a ongoing work in progress, right? Like we're always looking to find that time to take space for ourselves in our busy lives, especially in the hockey world where it oftentimes feels like it's go, 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 or your husband's on the road and then he comes back and you all want to spend time together. But then we also need to remember that we need to be able to take those breaks for ourselves, go out of the house alone, you know, do whatever fills your cup up, right? Because we cannot pour from an empty cup. And that's not to say that that is not common, because trust me, that is something I am personally still working on is to notice and acknowledge when I'm starting to creep into that burnout. So Alyssa gives really good advice about how to take that space for yourself as a mom. We chat about how postpartum is not just the first three months after having a baby. I can firsthand say I am approaching three months on Thursday which is so crazy. It goes by so fast the second time around. But I feel like I still just had a baby. Like it doesn't feel like three months. And it's kind of this weird time where there's this pressure from society, especially in the U.S., to go back to work. And so we put this pressure on ourselves as women that we should have our shit together back after three months, which is wild. So we talk more about this in the episode We chat about how to support a new mom postpartum in our lifestyle, which is really, really important. When someone has a baby on your team, you know, their family is not around, their friends are not around. It's not a normal postpartum time. So Alyssa gives some really good tips on how we can support new moms in our lifestyle because it's very important to be there for the women in our community when they're going through this period because it's a very special and precious period but it's also very exhausting and can feel really really lonely 
Alyssa also shares with me about how she had um, a miss miscarriage in Switzerland where her husband was playing hockey at the time. And this was right in the middle of COVID. So she had to go through this really by herself. Um, as you can hear from the intro, a little bit of her story, she shares more about it in the episode. But my heart just goes out to everyone that experienced pregnancy loss just in general and during COVID, such an isolating time and factor in just being away from home. I just have so much empathy for all of you because that could not have been easy. She shared with me how she got through that time and how she can support other moms that might be going through something similar. We also chat about the healing power of food and plant-based nutrition. So this is a really great educational episode. I feel like I learned so much from just the hour. I could have listened to her for like hours and hours. Let us know where you're listening from and what you're doing while you're listening, sharing to your stories, and have an amazing rest of your week. I know playoffs is coming up for a lot of us that are in Europe, so (laughs) hang in there with those busy schedules. And... Yeah, we'll catch you soon. I just signed up for your newsletter, by the way, too, on your website. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Well, awesome. We'll just kind of dive in. So, yeah, you should know. I just did a deep dive on your Instagram page. (laughs) And oh my gosh, I mean, I've looked at it before several times, but. I love your reels. They're so relatable, especially like in the season of life I'm in right now, which is postpartum and you're really big on self-care, which I love. And at the same time, I feel like that's such an oversaturated word on social media right now. And sometimes I feel like people are using it, but they don't even really know what it means. So I'd love for us to just start off and have you share like what self-care means to you and like how that can look for other people. Yeah. So I think I'm super passionate about self-care for moms specifically because we immediately um, put that on the back burner when we have kids. And I think I'm, I'm almost trying to like, I, I always, when I'm talking to friends or other moms or teaching classes to moms, I'm always trying to inspire them and tell them that you're going to be a better mom when you are doing stuff for you. And moms need people to tell them that. Like I need my husband sometimes to say like, Hey, go take a shower or like, go do that. Otherwise, if someone doesn't tell me, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to keep putting my kids first. So for, for, in, in that standpoint, like for moms there, there's actually a lot of research when you look even at, I will compare it to like the corporate world. And, you know, some, I've read this book, um, Thrive by Ariana Huffington. And she talks about Um, there's so much research on being, you're better in your office. You're a better worker when you take time first, not even, I won't even say meditation, but just stillness. You take breaks, you take time to be like in your body and aware you take time to talk to your friends. You take time to eat your food without looking at your phone. Like you take this mindful time or just doing things that you enjoy, um, you actually become more productive at your job than if you were someone to log all the out, like try to squeeze all these hours in your day and be overproducing and work, 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 working that actually they create like more, you create more work when you take breaks. So I kind of, when I was like reading that, I'm like, this has so much to do with being a mom because you're, you're like, Oh, the kids are napping. I need to do all these things on my checklist. But like, actually I try to tell myself, I take a minute. I'm like, I need this time to like have a another a cup of coffee and read my book because when they wake up, I'm going to be a better mom because I took that time for myself. So instead of like trying to do all of these, you know, things on it, we're like obsessed with the to-do list, especially in like American culture, maybe not so much in Europe. They're a little better over there. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but um, like that, I pride them on that. I, I, I love that about them. But um, yeah, we just, we think that like we're moms, we should have a side hustle. We should be also taking care of the house. Like we should be doing it all and it's exhausting and it we burns us out and we're not better moms from it. Like we are, I'm such a better mom when I take those small breaks or I like say yes to go dinner with a friend or 
I take that time to step out and like do a FaceTime with someone I haven't talked to in a while or just um, like you, I do my workout or whatever it is that like brings you joy and makes you you. We forget about those things, especially in like the newborn phase. They're gone like immediately. And we have to stop feeling guilty about taking that time for ourselves because it is going to make us, like I said, more productive, better. We're just going to be better parents. We're going to be less um, hyper stimulated. Like we live in this stress response mode. Um, I actually have a meditation on my YouTube channel about, uh, it's actually for moms that are breastfeeding, but I talk about this. Um, We're in this stress response mode all day, especially as moms. So in stress response mode, it's the fight or flight response. So your shoulders are shrugged up to your ears. You don't even realize it. Your breath is super shallow, super, super shallow and short. And you, you don't even realize that you're responding to all the stimulation they're giving you. So you're activating, it's called the sympathetic nervous system. And that's your fight or flight mode. And we are in that like all day. And that is a, that is a mode your body should only be in when you're in survival. Cause your body thinks you are being chased by a bear. So your body thinks like you're in the wild, you need to survive. And we, we don't take the time to activate the opposite side, which is the parasympathetic side. And that's a lot of what I teach in yoga. And it's just, you can do it within like minutes. You're just relax your shoulders away from your ears. Take a breath that fills up your whole belly. Like what take a deep inhale, right now? <laughs> fill up. Fill, I, I mean, I practice this all day long with my kids because they're always stimulating you. They're loud, like they're needy, mm-hmm. but we need to work on in taking those breaks and taking that time for ourselves to because that the parasympathetic mode is what heals like heals your cells it what regenerates cells it lowers your blood pressure um it is what we all should be in all day but we're not <laughs> and um it's just a practice i think it's a cultural thing like we're just we're we're told to be doers and it is not to our benefit, you know, and especially in postpartum, like you are, your body needs to be healing. Like it does not need to be in doing fight or flight, fight response mode. It needs to be, I mean, in some, I could, I mean, I could talk about how postpartum is handled. It's a lot different than in Europe. You're not um, taken care of as much, but you, in some cultures, like in Asian cultures, you're in bed for like a month and family just comes and takes care of you and your baby. Like, you know, <laughs> like, can you imagine? No, yeah. It, that's it's a dream. <laughs> your bo- yeah. Your body needs to be healing. And we have this guilt that we should be, oh, the house is a mess. My kid's napping and you have a newborn, like you should be napping. Someone should be giving you food while you're laying down. Like you should be practicing some deep breathing to get your body in a relaxed state. You should be taking a bath. Like you should be doing all the things to nurture yourself and take care of yourself. Um, so that's like my long-winded answer, answer to what I think self-care is. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm like really laughing to myself because I have such mom brain. And like, every time you'd say something, I'd be like, oh, like I'd have this like thought. And now I'm like, wait a second, yeah. what am I trying to say? So true about like the to-do list. Like, I feel like that. And I, for me personally, I've tried to like really identify how I'm feeling like each day almost like, so if I'm feeling like I got a good night's sleep and I'm feeling like I have more energy, I'm like, okay, this is a good time for me to be productive. Like I, I have the energy right now to like clean up or to like, maybe like make some like meal prep or, you know, get some work done or something. And then like, sometimes I'm like so tired And I know there's things that need to be done, but I, I'm like, okay, you know what, right now, like the most beneficial thing for me to do is to rest. So like, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And I think like in the past, I was just like, like you said, the to-do list, I'm like, this needs to get done. This needs to get done. Like, and I would never give myself that space to like check in and Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. Like that still happens from time to time, which Mm -hmm. totally leads to burnout and overstimulation. Mm -hmm. And I guess like something that just popped into my mind and I'm curious how you handled this with your husband, but in with hockey, right. We're away from family. We don't really have that much help with the kids. Your husband has a busy schedule. You know, you're, there's always something to do. It's like the grocery store, the, 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 this, there's all, we're, you know, it's like ships passing in the night sometimes when you have kids, especially multiple kids. 
like in what ways could we delegate certain things to our husbands to help us rather than like just watching the kids? Because I feel like sometimes for me, I'm like, okay, I need a break from the kids. But then when I come back home, it's like, either just like a complete disaster or like, then the food, like, cause my husband always does like the, the food and stuff. And then like yeah. he can do that cause he's watching the kids. So then I come back in and I'm almost like more stressed than I would be if and I did the house. It, is it just, yeah. Sense? Yeah. Cause the house is like, cause the house is a mess or something. Yeah. Like, and then I'm like, Oh my, I like, I walk into chaos almost when I, when I yeah. left, it wasn't necessarily like I was feeling like I desperately needed a break, but then it's like almost, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there I would, okay, there I would try to practice, first of all, what you can control and practice and just practicing a little more gratitude because yeah, I, like I, I'm, I feel like a lot of us are type A control freaks, like especially hockey wives. Like I, I just noticed like we are <laughs> and practicing just gratitude for what your husband is giving you. So like his strength is maybe not to keep the house clean and to do the the things that you are strong at, but that's why you are partners because you have different strengths and like practicing that, you know what? My kids are safe. They are happy. Like they are laughing. Like they are, I got that free time to myself and he, his strength is that, and he, he's doing really good at that. So not so much stressing and focusing on what didn't happen because you weren't there but more focusing, like flipping your mindset and focusing on what it did give you. And it did give you that time to yourself. And he did like, your kids are not with a stranger and you're not, you weren't worried while you were gone. Right. Cause you're not like, Oh, who's watching my kids right now? Are they okay? <laughs> like, did, did they get the snack they needed? Or like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, they're with someone you trust and who loves them as much as you do. Yeah. So practicing being grateful for that and just like flipping your mindset a little bit because you are you're you have different strengths for a reason and just you know being being grateful for what he's bringing to the table I guess it's like harder to take the time to relax I guess when you're no when you feel like that when you know yeah like mess might be a trigger for you and then it's like oh the Mm -hmm. self-care kind of like you know it's goes out the window yeah exactly that's what you can also just be yeah I mean you could always be like more vocal I mean sometimes guys need to be trained right like they like tell them like they need a schedule this is what what I would like you to do like for and just explain it to them like this really helps my stress level like once you like are very like forward with them and very blunt like they need it to be blunt so like just be like this is how this is what it's going to do for me if you do x y and z while I'm gone and then usually they'll be like oh okay like you just need to tell me (laughs) <laughs> Who doesn't want that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so something I want to get into because I know you're passionate about postpartum. A lot of people think or say that postpartum is the three months after mm-hmm. you have a baby, which is so mind blowing. No. Once you have a baby, how short that time actually is. Like I'm creeping up on three months already. I mean, yeah, I just not had even. Yeah, you're not even close to being like fully postpartum. So actually one of my like fitness uh, managers the other day, she's the manager at the gym I work at. She was telling me that I I always thought it was a year, but she told me it's actually 18 months because your pelvic floor actually takes 18 months to go back to normal. So your body takes, yeah, takes 18 months. Um, and it's just not reckon. I mean, I think you, I think everyone thinks that cause it's not recognized in North America. Like we, everyone goes back to work after three months, which is oh. crazy. Oh. I know. in um, I think Germany, it's a year. I think in Switzerland, it's a year. I don't know what it is in France. Yeah. I would say like anywhere from six months to a year would be probably pretty standard over here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, there's like no way your body could ever be just, I mean, back to normal isn't even like a, a word you can use after you have a baby like everything's changed and in another will go back to normal and that's like also amazing um because you've gone through huge change and growing and creating a life and birthing a life and um honestly I like I struggled so I can t- I'll talk I can talk a little bit about um what like my postpartum stories if you want yeah. um in relation to this um so my first this goes back to like over trying to do it all, you know, when your husband's playing hockey and you're away from your family. 
But um, when I had my first son, Jameson, I um, got what they actually used to call it childbed fever, but I got an inf- like a really bad, scary infection, most likely from the hospital and like intervention, you know, checking my dilation. And I think two weeks, it was two weeks after I gave birth, I just had these insane, um, insane fever, like insane pain couldn't like walk or talk. And then, you know, I call my doctor and they're like, oh, you probably have mastitis or just the flu. And like, I was like, I listened, she told me to stay home. And I was like, I'm listening to my body. I'm bringing myself to urgent care. Luckily, my mom was still with me at the time. She was supposed to fly out that next day. And um, they, and I ended up having like an insane, like it, I actually know, like, sadly, I know I have an old lacrosse coach of mine who, who died from this because she wasn't treated right away. Like you have to get antibiotics right away. And so I was on an IV of antibiotics for like four days to get this infection out of me. Um, So it's just like that self-care stuff that like, you don't get checked in on a lot in the States. Like you get your first checkup six weeks after you have a kid here. That's crazy. Like your baby's checked on every week. And the mom gets checked six weeks after they deliver a child. And then, then to, yeah. So anyways, long story short, I ended up, I was in and out of the hospital a few times on antibiotics. I ended up being fine. Um, But my second time um, having my baby, uh, we were in um, upstate New York and I had him in Syracuse. And um, I, to your point, three, I was three months postpartum, like kind of thinking like, oh, I should be a little more like, back to myself by now like my body still looked pregnant like I was a little like frustrated and so I kind of just started pushing myself like I was still running on zero sleep like zero sleep at that point you got when you have two kids you know like one of them is waking up at night if not multiple times and so I was like trying to do like work like more intense workouts to try to get back in shape and then I was trying to um I was trying to do, I did like a road trip home to try to see my family with was like a four hour drive with two kids. I don't know what I was thinking. And (laughs) bless your heart. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, wanted to see, I was so grateful we weren't in Europe. I was like, I want to see my family. They live so close. Like I, I'm going to do it. And, um, I ended up my, so my, your hormones obviously do crazy things and they're still doing crazy things three months postpartum. Um, and I didn't realize that. And, what happened is this hap I guess this happens to every woman, um, but your body naturally corrects itself. But I was getting um, like this sludge, they call it in your gallbladder, your gallbladder is in charge of digesting um, like the fats to your liver. And just like your hormones throw it all off balance. And it makes your it basically starts working a lot slower. Um, and it's like funny, it's like it, it usually happens to people that eat like a lot of unhealthy, like fast food, fatty diets, which is like, I'm telling my doctor, I'm like, I couldn't like be farther from this. But um, they couldn't figure out. So I was basically um, starting in February, every three weeks, I was every three weeks to the day, I would violently throw up. And like, to the point where I was in so much pain, I couldn't speak. And I was also trying to nurse a baby, my Brian was playing hockey. And I had a toddler and like, look, I had like a few random sitters that like I did, you know, they were great, but they're not your family. So every three weeks, this like these episodes were happening. And I was kept telling the doctor, I'm like, look, this has to do with my hormones. Like I just had a baby and they did all this testing. Every, all my testing looks fine. But like they did all my blood work. They're like, I don't know. Like you just have a stomach bug, but kept happening every three weeks, every three weeks. And then finally, there is a team, a team doctor of Brian's who was a female was like, you just had a baby. This is your gallbladder. And you look it up and it's like 30% of women experience these gallbladder issues. And this is what it is like eliminate any fatty foods from your diet, like don't even have avocados, like blah, blah, blah. And it'll balance itself out. Like don't have nuts, don't have any of that. So I did and it fixed the problem. But it took like, you know, four episodes for them to figure that out because no one wants to acknowledge that. Yeah. Like I knew in my gut, I kept saying like, this is cause I had a baby. This are, these is hormonal. It's happening on a cycle. And you, I just feel like when you go to doctors, you have to keep advocating for yourself until they listen. And then it finally took like this female doctor who has had kids to be like, this is what happened. And um, I just think 
for someone that maybe isn't like as vocal as me and would advocate for herself, like who knows where that could have gone. Like I could have just kept, been, keep having these episodes every three weeks and like not been able to take care of my kids. So again, that's like where the self-care thing comes in, like where I, why I'm so passionate about it is like advocate for yourself and take care of yourself and don't push yourself because your body is going through so much that you can't see, especially, mm-hmm. you know, three, six months, one year postpartum. Like, I think there's not enough education out there about what's actually happening internally and Mm -hmm. even physically. Like you're, like I said, like your pelvic floor takes 18 months to go back to normal. So the self-care thing is huge because if no one's going to take care of us, then we have to learn how to take care of ourselves, you know, and advocate for ourselves. Gosh, I'm so, no, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Cause I mean, like postpartum is hard enough without those additional issues happening. And then like, I just can't even imagine feeling so sick Mm -hmm. first time around, then not to mention now you have a toddler and a baby going through feeling sick and horrible and like not having any support. Like that's just so hard. A lot of us feel this pressure after three months, like you said, which just crossed my mind now is because a lot of people go back to work at three months. So you feel like, Oh, right. I have to have my shit together now. Insane. Are, <laughs> yeah. It's like, people are back to work, like back to the grind. It's yeah. like, even like, I don't know why, because I know that's not true, but like myself, I'm like, Oh, three months. Like, I feel like, you know, it's like time to get back to Things should be happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but it took you nine months to grow a baby. Like why would three months be your recovery time? That's crazy. <laughs> and I was, I was having this conversation with my friend the other day, but it's like, even three months is the time that people kind of stop checking in too. Mm-hmm. And they're totally. kind of like, oh, she's got this. She had a baby a few months ago. Like, but everything's new. And even if mm-hmm. you're a second time mom, like this is your new experience with a new baby that you're still getting to know each other. And so totally. it's like, I think it's so important to check in on your friends. Like, even if you don't yeah. know exactly what to say, but just even like a simple, like, how's it going? How is this? Just yeah. so you have that support or like can I drop it a target drop off for you if you live near a target like things like that exactly because like if anything it's like the first like maybe month or two it's like you're in this maybe newborn fog or whatever where it's like yeah bliss fog yeah yeah, bliss like and then it's like the three months is where it kind of sits and it's like okay I'm sleep deprived like I feel like I am not and then you have the sleep regression thing too the four months like I remember the four month sleep regression was worse than having a newborn for me. Like that part was harder than the newborn part for me. I felt like, like I was a zombie. So, but yeah. And I also been telling, um, I tell like friends of mine all the time that we need to somehow see if we can make the shift in what goes on a baby registry, because like, it's all great that they're getting these cute clothes and onesies and all that, like that stuff's adorable. But can we also add like, maybe a cleaner for the house, maybe a dog walker, maybe um, like postnatal yoga. Like, can we add things for a mom? Like maybe add a sleep, uh, like a sleep consultant, like all these things. Cause people just like are dumping money at you at a baby shower and baby registry. And like the things you actually need are these self-care things that are going to help you bring you out of that fog in the beginning. Yeah. And I'm like, wouldn't it be great if that is stuff you could put on your registry because you just, and you don't know as a first time mom that that's what you need. But like, if we could be these moms to tell others that like, yeah. this is worth, like some sort of budget should be allocated to this stuff because it is so much more important than the fancy bassinet or the fancy stroller. Do you know what I mean? Like babies live in, di- they need milk and diapers. Like that is it, <laughs> you know, they, you need yeah. care too. Totally. And, and that should be part of the budget for a baby, I think. When you are giving birth away from home and you don't have your family and you don't have your friends nearby, what advice would you give to other hockey wives who might not be super close with someone that just had a baby, but like, what could, what could they do if they're not comfortable, maybe like watching the baby while the mom showers, as people suggest, Mm -hmm. like, what are some things that like other people can do to help support new moms in this lifestyle? Right. I know it's hard. It depends on how close you are, right? Because like, if you're a close friend, like you'd probably be comfortable going over there and being like, can I clean your dishes for you and like, help put some stuff away. But I mean, if you if it's someone you just met, then you then that you know, might not be as normal. But um, 
I would also say just like offering maybe just calling them or even offering to come over I know like sometimes we don't want to like be like oh my house is so messy don't come over here (laughs) but just maybe if it's a phone call then or like I feel like a lot of times as a new mom you just want to talk to an an adult human being You're, you're talking to a you're with a baby all day or you're with a toddler all day and just like having those 30 minutes to talk about something that isn't babies is like such a breath of fresh air um so just like being someone that can offer that like say can honestly like going for a walk if you're somewhere where though you can get outside just say like hey I'm coming over we're gonna go for a walk today like you're putting that baby in a carrier we're going for a walk we're getting outside because the fresh air the vitamin d like that is amazing and then there's actually like I've, I learned a lot about this in the pandemic times is the it's called the vagus or vagus nerve. And um, it's this huge nerve that like runs down through your whole body. And it kind of is in charge a lot of your a lot of your nervous system It's connected to other parts of your body and other systems in your body. But it's this huge nerve. And it's a lot of times it's activated or massaged through conversation. So like social interaction. And it's in charge a lot of your overall wellness and health. And I notice I'm like, I feel like this pandemic is just so rough on people because we're not, we're not activating that nerve ever. Like we don't realize it, but even we're not having those daily interactions that are so important. Like I notice even if I just go to the gym and I run into a few friends and we chat for 10 minutes, I'm Mm -hmm. like, you just feel so much better. I don't, and it's it's because you're activating that nerve. There's this, there's actually a science to it. Um, and they said, you know, they say like, even in the pandemic, like if you try to just try to like make a conversation with the cashier at checkout, like even that's going to help your mental health and you won't even realize it. So I feel like for new moms, like if you can, you don't have to like, yes, great. If you bring over a meal or a snack or something, but if you could just offer like that fresh air, like I said, or just someone to chat with, um, about not not baby stuff or maybe it is baby stuff but just to like activate that like I said that vagus nerve and like it really will like bring their spirits up because they won't realize how lonely they've been all day Mm -hmm. I mean it's yeah a lot of work taking care of a baby but it's also lonely because you're not you're not with someone you're not with another adult a lot of the time because your husband's traveling so I think um I think that is you know a great way and and yeah, meal delivery stuff is always great. I have, you know, been on teams where we do something um, like deliver a little care package or um, put together some food for a mom. And that stuff is always amazing. Like you feel so yeah. great, but um, like, I, I just don't be for people, especially for, for, cause I've been on a team when I wasn't a mom yet. And so mm-hmm. I didn't fully understand what no. they were going through. And like, now that you are, do you feel that now you are a mom? You're like, I am so sorry. Like, I didn't know, like now that I am a mom, I'm like, I wish I was there for you so much more. Like, I cannot believe that you did all of that on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, but so if you're someone that isn't, hasn't have kids yet and you don't know what to do, just like, they are still a human being and they are locked in their house all day with the kids. So just like <laughs> call yeah. them, get them out for a walk, you know, do something. You can still do stuff for them. Like they still want to be interactive they still want to be social like just because you had a baby doesn't mean that you're on like house arrest and like bye I'll see you in three months you know I think especially like as a first time mom because that person was literally just not a mom and then they become a mom and it's like their whole life changes so it's like I think it's really important like for other moms listening if you know someone on your team that is a first time mom like it's very important to like check in and especially yeah. if they're really far from home and they don't have family and yeah. even after their family and to still honestly to still include them on everything like even if you're going to drinks and she's not gonna come just knowing that she's still included on that group text or whatever is gonna mean so much yeah. but even be like hey we're going like we're going out for drinks bring your baby in the car seat like we really want you to come like sometimes you need to be like dragged out and then like wow that was so great that I actually did that it was hard I got to get out of the house but like I'm glad they made me do it again it's just it's so true you don't know to till you know and there was teams I I was on I specifically remember in Graz one of my friends had a baby and I had no idea and I was just like oh she's got it down because I had no kids I was like oh she's driving you're doing so great every he you know he's so cute blah 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 Mm -hmm. and then it's like I have my own kid and I 
finally realized because on the team that I was on for my first, like they were so helpful. Like they made meals. I mean, they went above and beyond. Yeah, It was in the middle of the pandemic, but like they literally made me meals for like a week straight, even like after helping with my dogs. And I was, to this day, I am still so appreciative of that and it it will never leave me. So it's like next time a team with someone. Now you want to pay it forward. I want to pay it forward 100%. Like who wants to be on a team with me? Cause like, I'm going to take care of you. Cause yeah. it's like, it's so, it's so important. Like it's, I mean, I can't say it enough. Like you just, you don't know till you know, but you mentioned to me about your miscarriage and I'm so mm-hmm. sorry that you went through that. And it was in Switzerland, right? Yeah. No being so yeah. far away. And I know it's a, another topic that you're passionate about. And like mm-hmm. I mentioned before we started recording is that in the episodes that we have talked about miscarriages, they're some of the most downloaded episodes. And I didn't really realize the extent of like how important this was to talk about and how many women in our community not only have miscarriages, but how much they need that additional support system. Mm -hmm. I mean, your page is a great place to go if you've gone through that. I think you offer like a lot of important information and just by sharing your own experience, it helps people so much. But Will you just share about what you were going through being far away and just, yeah, your story? Yeah. So first of all, I'm going to refer to it. I don't take offense to the term miscarriage at all, but I'm going to refer to it as pregnancy loss for anyone that's listening, because I personally feel like miscarriage sounds like you miscarried, you Mm -hmm. miscarried the baby and you didn't like it was a loss and it is not something a mistake you made like it sounds like the word mistake to me Mm -hmm. and that is where a lot of like the shame and guilt derives in women when they do experience pregnancy loss and I kind of just like hate that term because I'm like it was a miscarriage it carry does not mean that you miscarried your child like it's not that like you did you ate the wrong thing you took the wrong supplement like you did something wrong it's just I've learned it is something that happens in my case I'm so grateful it happened. I can say that now because it brought me to where I am today. It mm-hmm. it, uh, it brought us our rainbow baby wilder, but it brought me here to this point where I want to help other women. And I just, one of my like favorite quotes is, I, I don't even remember who said it, but it is um, when it's dark and yeah, when it's dark and you feel like you've been buried, you've actually been planted. And that's like one of my favorite quotes, because that is really what, really what happened to me. We were, we were, so we were in Switzerland, um, in, we we're in Bellinzona, which is like the Italian side of Switzerland. Beautiful. Love it. Like we were there this season before. Um, and it was much different the season before, because it wasn't a pandemic. Um, we got to travel, like, you know how it was pre and post pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but in this case, we had been trying. So we, I got pregnant with Jamison, my first son, like very easily, probably, I would say it was probably like the first try. And um, so when we went to try for our second, you know, in my mind, being the control freak that I am, I was like, they're going to be this age apart. Like, I think I wanted two, two and a half years apart, just like how my brother and I grew up. I'm like, I'm going to get pregnant right away. And like, it's probably going to be a girl and we're going to have a boy and a girl and like, it's going to be perfect. And like, like, what is that that other quote? Like when you make plans, God laughs. That's exactly what happened to me. And so it took us like a few, it took us probably like four months to get pregnant again, which is not a long time. But for me, I was obviously getting frustrated and didn't understand. And uh, we had just got to Switzerland and I found out I was pregnant. And obviously like we're all over the moon and um, around... I want to say six or seven weeks, I got some spotting. And obviously you freak out when that happens, but it also can be very normal. So um, I went to the doctor and really hard because the Italian is their first language. I'm sure you've been, you're somewhere where in in Switzerland, they know they're amazing. They know three languages, like they're fluent in three languages. So I shouldn't expect them to know English. Like I feel, I feel work like I feel so bad that I am this like dumb American that only knows English when I was over there because they are like oh do you speak German then I'm like nope I don't speak Italian I don't speak German I don't speak French so it's really hard to communicate with them and it's even harder when you're in a medical situation when you're like I just need you to tell me that baby's okay and 
um, this woman was telling me in broken English, they're like, yeah, every, everything is fine. But like, I remember her saying to me, but like, yeah, miscarriage does happen. I was like, excuse me, <laughs> like, what do you, if she, she yeah. was like, no, but baby, fine, baby, fine, baby, fine. And like, I saw the heartbeat. I saw everything at like, I think it was seven weeks and um, the spotting stopped and we just like went on life norm- was normal. And then um, around 10 weeks, was it 10 weeks? Yeah, 10 weeks. Um, I think I got like a little bit of spotting again. And so I went in to um, see my doctor again. This time, the do- this doctor, she sp- speaks better English. And um, it ended up being, a mi- I'll say, I'm going to use the technical term, even though I don't like the word miscarriage, but it's called a missed miscarriage. That's just the medical term. Um, but what it means is that you've, I'm sure you've had women talk about this maybe on the show before, but um, you, you, uh, you think that you basically you don't have the miscarriage where your body naturally um, releases the baby. You basically you're still feeling pregnant. You still have all the symptoms, and then you go in for your ultrasound, and there's no heartbeat. And in my case, there actually was two placentas had grown, so like twin twin wombs had grown. But there's only a baby growing in one of them. So this, I think, I don't remember the medical term for it, but basically, I had two placentas, so I looked and felt a lot more pregnant. Um, and the baby that was, I'd seen on the ultrasound the week before that there was no longer a heartbeat. So it was like, there's no, I'm not going to say this is worse than having a regular pregnancy loss, but it is such a shock when you go in expecting like to have a checkup and they're like, I'm so sorry, there's no heartbeat. And you are in my case, really like angry at my body for not like giving me any warning. Um, I had a lot of issues like trusting my body after that because I'm like I felt pregnant like my boobs were still so sore like I still had like I was very swollen belly I had I was like had all these cravings for grapefruit juice like I was drinking grapefruit juice nonstop I had all these like weird cravings aversions to smell Um, and it's just because in all honesty like you still have the human growth hormone in you and when it when something happens like that you're given two options you can wait for it to, um, you can wait for it naturally to pass, like the baby naturally to release, or you can get a DNC, which is to remove it like medically. I did not want to (laughs) wait. I, some, some women do, um, but I did not want to wait. And I, um, so she scheduled it right away. It, it, again, like it's your, the, the doctor is great. Like she's great at what she does, but she was very, um non I want to say like not sensitive she was just like oh this happens to one in four like this is what we're going to do you're coming in next week and blah 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 you'll be good and I'm like wait like what is happening like she's throwing all this stuff at me and um so anyways I had to schedule that so it's in the middle of COVID so Brian my husband is not allowed to come with me to the hospital and then we also have a two-year-old at home so like I I need to find someone to watch my two-year-old so I can go in for this procedure. And I also like, I, he can't even come with me to the hospital. So we just decided that like, he was going to stay home with the two year old until he had to go to practice. And then our friend, like a friend on the team was coming over to watch him while I was put under for the procedure. And so I drove myself to the hospital. Like I was all like completely alone. I'm walking to this hospital. All the signs are in Italian. I don't know where I'm going. I'm, I'm showing my paperwork to someone like, where am I going to, for this procedure? They finally get me in a room. And, um, it just like, they, <laughs> I mean, to get, I won't get into too much detail, but there were in those like really dark situations, I, you, you have to look for like your angels. And I like, there's those, there's room that are there for you if you look for them. And the, the person that the anesthesiologist that, um, was putting me under, she like squeezed my hand so hard. She could tell how terrified I was. And she was like, she, she knew, she knew a little bit of English. And like, I was just like tears coming down my face. And like, she calmed me down. She's like, you need to calm down so we can put you under. And like, she was kind of like my angel in that moment. And I still like, I'm so great. I feel like if you've ever been in a situation where like, you have an amazing nurse or something like you're like literally an angel, like that you could read the situation and calm me down. Um, So um long story short yeah the procedure all went fine but then what a lot of people don't talk about is and what I'm 
kind of a, a super passionate with helping women is after you go through, whether it's a natural pregnancy loss or you get a DNC like I did, you still are um, really hormonal. So you're like, you're kind of going through postpartum, but you don't have a baby to hold. So it is like, you're going through severe grief and heartache, but you're also, um, you have postpartum hormones. Your stomach still looks very pregnant. Um, in my case, I had contractions, like full on labor contractions to mm. remove the excess tissue that is still in there. So like real like and you know again my doctor explained that it's all perfectly normal your body is detoxing what it's supposed to be detoxing but I'm like no one told me that I'm going to be literally in labor you know getting the rid of the rest of the tissue that is still in me so there's just all this I mean and then you're waiting you have to wait I think six weeks for the you know I think some women take pregnancy tests to see if that that the HCG is out of your system yet um, I never did because I just like didn't want to deal with it. But you you just have this waiting period for weeks, waiting to see if you're no longer like testing positive for pregnancy so that you can get your period again. And then so you can begin trying again. And it's just a super dark healing place that um, you can feel super alone in. In my case, in my case, I was extra alone because of the pandemic. The borders were closed and honestly all I wanted was to hug my mom like I my mom and I are super close and um and like I and like my close friends back home and like you just you need girl like your girls in that time and the borders are closed and my mom even like my mom even like emailed the Swiss consulate at one point like trying to like get a visa to come over um because I just needed her like I needed someone to like I needed a female to hug and like hold me and like go through it with me and cry with me and my husband's amazing but you they they're not the energy you you need in those situations um I mean he was great for many things but so I think that like I was supposed to go through it that super alone isolated way because it made me turn inward a lot like really inward like I was journaling I was writing about what I was grateful for every morning I was focusing on me like what was really gonna make me happy again um and that's kind of like where I've always loved yoga but it's where I um I really dove into yoga to get me through it because I really didn't have anything else we were barely allowed to leave our apartment um I could go for walks but like I couldn't we could go to his games um like no restaurants are open. You couldn't go like get a coffee with someone. So I, I did yoga like every day and it's just this amazing way to move emotions through you instead of, you know, holding on to something. It, it just, the way, the way that it works just flows and washes this energy through you, which I love. And it's just really healing for the female body in general. So for the hormones and for everything I was going through, so it actually led me like long story short, it led to me to where I am now. Like I wanted to sign up for yoga teacher training because I want to help women get through trauma like this by like going inward towards themselves by using breath and yoga and movement and all of that. Um, so I know I think that's like a very long winded answer again, but um, is there anything like in that like pregnancy loss area that I can talk to more that I didn't touch on that you have questions about? I mean, I honestly feel like you really hit the nail on the head with that. Like I have so much empathy for you, like going through that in a foreign country without help. Like, and like you said, like going through all of that and then not having like a baby to hold, like, that's just so heartbreaking. Like it, it made me just emotional, like even mm -hmm. hearing you talk about that. And like you said, just having no support system around, that's just so it's hard. And mm -hmm just by sharing your experience, like women are going to listen to this and, and relate so much that have gone through this. I mean, I, I think that you like talked also about just how you kind of got through that time is like, you found, like you found yourself and you found right. your passion. And I think going through what you did go through, like it led you to, to be able to help other women that are in this situation, which I think is just so amazing. And I think it's really cool that 
people are talking about this more yeah thank you I don't think a few years ago it was talked about as much and yeah I, I think it's very important especially in this community too like there needs to be a space where people can have you know connections and I'm sure those that are listening to this episode too like you're a safe space to reach out to if someone's going through something totally. like this away from yeah. home. I will say I, I wanted to say one more thing and like for a lot of the women that are feeling like they're so at fault for something like this I will just say that I am like this really got me into like the whole wellness um it kind of brand I mean I've always been passionate about food but this got me to explore other areas of health because there is a whole health system the way our body works and I've always thought to be healthy is to be in good shape and to eat really well and I just want to tell like to anyone that's listening who thinks it's their fault like I could not have been the more picture of health when that happened to me like I drink like green smoothies every day I eat a whole food plant-based diet like I exercise regularly like I was doing all of the right things I was taking like the best prenatal vitamin so like if it can happen to me then it can happen to anyone and it is not their fault at all um and I think that really got me more to explore because when I when it when another thing I got into when it happened was I started um doing I started getting into like Chinese medicine which is a more eastern medicine approach and they look at um the whole balance of the body um they you know they talk about yin and yang but they acupuncture really with Chinese medicine and they focus on finding that balance in the body um, that's why acupuncture is so like popular with fertility because there is this this yin and yang balance that they find that's going on. And I I was doing zooms with um, a practitioner weekly, um, and she was giving me kind of healing herbs to use, and um, she was directing me in what kind of acupuncture to do and acupressure, and she was just amazing. Um, if anyone ever, it's they're called Yanova, and um, they're based out of New York, but they do. I I think they still do like Zoom Zoom work and telehealth and stuff like that. But um, what they what I was saying is that I learned she she basically said this most amazing thing to me. I was like, okay, I got so pregnant. I mean, so pregnant. I got so easily pregnant quickly with my first. Son I got so pregnant. We were living. I got so pregnant. Like I was the most pregnant person ever. Um, <laughs> We, my son, when we were, we were living in Austin, Texas, and it was so easy. I was like this happy, healthy pregnancy. And like, it was almost no effort. And she goes, okay, well, I want you to look at your life when you were there and tell me what it was like. And then we're going to compare it to your life now. So she wasn't even asking like, what are you eating? Like, what were you doing daily for your workout? She was like, okay, so you were living in uh, this amazing warm climate in this city you loved. I was on like one of our favorite teams I've ever been on with the best girls. We were doing so much fun stuff all the time. We had family flying in constantly because everyone wanted to visit Austin, Texas. Like we, so we were always surrounded by friends and family. I was doing like, I was in the middle of doing my certif uh, certification for my plant-based nutrition. So I was like really in like this inspired space and I was just doing a lot of stuff for me. And she goes, okay, now we're look at you are now you're isolated in a country, you don't speak the language, you don't have any family there, you have like, in our case, there was barely any imports on the team that year because of the pandemic. So there was only one or two other girls on the team. Like when I was coming from a team, I'm used to playing when there's 20 girl, other girls, there's 15 to 20 girls that you have like in your pool and net of people. And so you have like, she's like, you have no, you have a few friends, but no family. You're, you're living in this apartment all day. You don't feel any connection or roots to where you are. Like she started, she's like, so your emotional and mental health has probably has a lot to do with how your body is out of balance. And I'm like, wow, that makes so much sense. Like it isn't just about what I'm eating and what how I'm exercising like it is my spiritual health my mental health my emotional health like there's so much more to whole health than I ever realized yeah. and I just like she really put it so well for me I'm like that makes that actually makes a lot of sense wow that's so interesting yeah, yeah I mean it makes sense right like if you think about it like that like it's not it could happen to anyone like like you mm -hmm. said you were doing all the you know things yeah. and it still happened and 
Wow. Yeah, there's actually, um, not to keep like chatting away, but there's actually this um, study of this uh, community in, I think it's, if you look it up, it's called Rosetto, Pennsylvania. I forget how many years ago it was, but they, all these um, like scientists came to study them because they didn't have any like heart disease. They had never, they had the longest lifespan by far of anyone in the U.S. And they were just like the healthiest community by far. So everyone wanted to come study them. And they were like, I don't understand. They, they were not eating a healthy diet. I think they came from Italy. So they were like cooking with lard and like they were eating heavy, like red meat di- based diets. And like for someone who like, I truly believe in the science of plant-based nutrition, I was like, okay, this is really interesting that they have the longest lifespan. And what they found is that they were really had the sense of community. They took care of each other. So like they, a lot of them lived in like multi-level family housing, the generations took care of each other. They went to church together. Like they just had this really amazing sense of community and like grounding and rootedness. And, and that is what they realized was giving them this long lifespan. So it's like they're emotional, they're spiritual, like that side of the health yeah. was what was giving them. So it's not all about diet and exercise, like we've always been told. There's so much more to it, which I think is like so, so interesting, yeah. especially when it comes to women's health. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm just like absorbing it all in. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can tell how passionate you are about like just motherhood, you know, just this whole topic. Mm-hmm. You're, and you're very knowledgeable too. Like there's so many things oh, I'm learning right now. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Honestly, I'm like such a book nerd about this stuff. Like I just love, I could just like read about it forever. Like I think it's all so interesting. So yeah. you mentioned you're passionate about food and just the healing power mm-hmm. that it has. And I, so I was like, oh my gosh, when I was reading like mm-hmm. your submission, the part that you said about how you were like, destined to have colon cancer by the age of 30 like what like you tell I know. Me about what like how did that, that was like honestly like such I'll explain it such a stroke of good luck like talk about like angels being on your side I um so when I was in high school I was having really bad stomach issues like every time I ate um was getting stomach ache and uh, I was like 17 and um so I went, I got like, I had a gastroenterologist and like, they were trying, they did all this testing on me again. Like I'm always the person they're doing all the testing on. They can't figure it out. <laughs> but when I look back at, I'm sure a lot of it is stress related, like stress is the root of all evil. But, um, so what they, they ended up doing a colonoscopy, an endoscopy, which is like down your throat and then a colonoscopy to just like check out everything. And it, when I was getting my colonoscopy, I'm 17 years old. You're, you're not supposed to get a colonoscopy until you're 50. Cause that's when you become like high risk for colon cancer. So like, I never would have known unless like I had to do all this testing and they found like a precancerous polyp in me, um, which is basically like, they're like these little like bubbles, but they've had to remove it. And now I get regularly screened, but like, it's not, it's not in my gene, like colon cancer is not in my genes. And it usually like colon, you're a high risk. If you are like really heavily overweight, you're like drink a ton of alcohol, eat like a really bad diet. And so my doctor was like, this is crazy. Like, but like, we're going to screen you. I, I, I get screened every three years, like for the rest of my life. Um, so again, just go get screened. If like you are someone that like, even has a family history or like you have any kind of stomach issues. Um, but yeah, so it was a really like a stroke of luck that they found that because when you, you know, I'm 17 it would have 100% turned into colon cancer by the time I was 30. That's what my doctor told me, which is nuts. So that honestly, that kind of, I wouldn't say like when I was 17 got me super into nutrition, but like, as I got into college and was playing, I was playing uh, lacrosse in college and like was still having stomach problems. And it really started to get in the way of like being an athlete. I um, started looking a little bit more into diet and that's when it was like before gluten was a thing. I tried the gluten-free thing and then I tried like the dairy-free thing and I just didn't even realize that like I could, I think a lot of us, we have a problem and we're, so we immediately go to a doctor to get it fixed. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, we don't realize that there's a power in ourselves to self-heal. And um, a lot of that can be done with nutrition. Like you wouldn't put 
bad gas in a car and expect it to run well. My dad tells my dad tells me this quote because he's like a health nut. So know. like, why are you putting yeah. why are you putting like bad why are you putting bad food in your body and expecting it to run well? You know, and the and our country is in we're not in the we're we're moving toward more towards preventative medicine, but like we're in the business of treating sick people. Like that is where the money is made, and we're not, you're not necessarily going to go to your doctor and they're going to say like, so what's your diet and lifestyle? Like, they're not going to ask you those questions. So you need to ask yourself those questions. And when I started diving more into nutrition, that is when I started really just curing like everything, like my skin turned amazing, my energy, my sleep, like it is insane, like how different I felt when I turned my diet around. And so I just like got super nerdy about it and super into it. And I'm like, all right, if this is what, like when I, when I got rid of dairy and my skin cleared up, I'm like, okay, this is what it's doing to my skin. Like what's it doing to the inside of my body. And then that kind of led me down the road. Okay. What, like, if I actually wanted to look at the science and like, what is the healthiest way you could eat? Then like, if you really, really want to be the healthiest eater, then the whole foods plant-based diet is the best way you can eat. And there's, um, there's a book that's like super analytical and probably boring for a lot of people. But if you are like, want to read the science, it's called the China study. And it is the largest nutritional study that's ever been done. I think it was over 25 years. And what this, um, what this doctor does is he goes out into, he basically just studies all over the world, but he learns that in China specifically, the, um, the, places with like the lowest heart disease and the lowest cancer rates, like all the things that like most of our medical dollars are spent on, like diabetes, all that stuff were in the like pockets of areas in China where there was like very minimal dairy and meat being consumed. So he, he got super interested in that. And then he started doing his own studies and labs with like rats and learned that like he could turn on and off like the promotion of cancer by giving a rat animal protein and not giving it animal protein. So he kind of like, he it's, it's super nerdy, but like he, he just goes into how much this eating animal products is like the, it's, it's called, he calls it the sad diet, the standard American diet, but it's the Westernized diet of fast food, basically of yeah. like heavy meat diets, heavy dairy diets, how that is making us sick. And no one talks about it because a lot of, um, you know, doctors are only given like a few hours on nutrition in their medical school. So they just don't know. Um, so it's really it, a lot of people, he goes like a lot of people think changing your diet, like to be plant-based is extreme. He's like, but I think it's extreme to get your heart cut open for heart surgery. So he kind of like makes jokes like that, but yeah. it is, it is, it's super something I'm super passionate about because it healed my stomach problems. And it is something I always push people to, I'd never try to push like, you got to eat fully plant-based, but I'm like, if you focus on whole grains, fruits, vegetables, you know, like eating plant protein, like beans and legumes and things like that. If you put your focus on that first, then that's what you're going to fill up on first. And then the other stuff, whatever. But like have your focus being on the colorful stuff, the stuff that comes from the earth, the stuff that like fights disease and then, then eat whatever you want. Because I also believe in like emotional and mental health and like social situations. And like, you got to have a life and you can't be like, I'm not going out because that restaurant serves butter. Like you just can't live that way. So uh, I, I just like to, th this diet is an extreme, like if you're someone that's destined for a heart attack, then 100% like get on the whole food plant based, based, based diet immediately and reverse yourself health, get off your medications. Like it, there's tons of like books and documentaries I can recommend to people if that is like the extreme um, route they want to take. And some people do take that extreme route and they find it amazing and they stick to it. But also I'm just, I just find that there's so much pushiness and information in the diet culture. And it's really overwhelming that I just like to tell people focus on eating as many plants as you can because because they're so good for you focus on the positive not the negative like focus on what you're cleaning out your body with and then and then whatever else brings you joy then that's fine you know yeah. you're so knowledgeable and I feel like I learned so much from just like this short, oh good 
interesting, but I'm glad. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and just yeah. sharing part of your journey with me and for everyone that's listening. Um, if anyone wants to work with you or check out your newsletter or anything else, any of your offerings, if you want to just plug those here and then I'll put them in the show notes as well. So people can have quick links to everything too. Yeah. So uh, my website's Alyssa K Um, that's also my Instagram name and, uh, my YouTube name. So, um, on my site, you'll find, um, all my YouTube videos for yoga stuff and meditation stuff. And you'll also find all my recipes. There's tons of recipes on there as well as links to how to maybe start the plant-based diet. There's also like a whole section I have just on motherhood. Um, I talk about kitten overthing there. I talk about, um, the, you know, postpartum recovery, that sort of thing. So yeah, you can find me there. Um, if you ever want like any coaching or, um, anything yoga wise or anything, I'm available. I'm also trying, I'm putting together, um, an online program for, um, pregnancy loss and for postpartum. So it's something that you can purchase and sign up for and get daily support from me, um, using like, you know, food to heal your hormones and using yoga and ancient yoga techniques, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, you can find me wherever, you know, on my site or on my Instagram. And um, I'm happy to just chat with you if that's what you need. Um, so message me on Instagram or on my website. And, and yeah, that's I think that's it.